0: This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on v Here
1: And we begin the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross and Mike Pritchard coming at you from South Point Casino here in Las Vegas. Pritch, it is a Sunday morning. I was telling the guys, Stephen and Kevin, before the show began that when I was a kid in my youth, I would wake up breakfast at Wimbledon. Okay. It was such a big deal in, in my household. Not so much for my parents. They mm-hmm. didn't care. But I played <laughs> high school tennis, and I thought, you know, one day I'll be a pro tennis player. So I would watch the Johnny Max and the Jimmy Connors and the Stefan Edbergs and the Swedish Invasion in the 80s and the 90s. It was, like, such a big deal to me. Right. As you get older, I, it's still a big deal to me. Okay. Right. But then this year, it felt like Nick Kyrgios, who is the Australian, taking on Novak Djokovic, who, by the way, if he wins today, would be the second oldest major champion ever at Wimbledon at 35 mm-hmm. years of age. The oldest is still Roger Federer back in 2017. And I started to think to myself, if Curious was American, I think there would be such a bigger buzz today. Okay. At least in the United States. Right. Because, you know, you get the serve in the, the Aussie, and sometimes we get very, you know, we want to see our Serena's, we want to see our, our American uh, tennis players over there because he's got that... That Andre Agassi personality right.
2: of the 90s. Yeah, he does. I mean, I don't know much about him, but from what you were telling me, he, he kind of reminded me of Agassi. Like a bad we were, boy We tennis. were talking about that before the show. And growing up here in Vegas, I mean, uh, if Agassi was on television, we oh were watching him, right? God, huge <laughs> and so, deal. Yeah, it was incredible. I, I, I had blinders on at this time of year uh, oh, through you, my youth. Sure. Because I'm mean, football, football, gearing football. up for camp and – I mean, we were, we were days away from two a days at You're, this you point. You were watching Wimbledon having uh, <laughs> no, breakfast to change. No, it was not having, was it cream and strawberries? Yeah, strawberries and cream. Strawberries exactly and cream. Right. We that would do way that. too.
1: We would try to do that. My parents were like, Do you want strawberries and cream? I'm like, Damn, I don't
2: want strawberries and cream. I'm like, What is cream and strawberries? or strawberries and cream. <laughs>
1: it's not that good. It's a little None. bit overrated. Yeah. You guys
2: put some sugar on there or something. Yeah, don't it's
1: you? basically oatmeal. And okay. You throw some strawberries in okay. there and put a little cream in there. You know, because like my grandmother, she's Welsh. And grandma, when she came and live with us in the 80s, she would always put milk in her tea. Ooh, okay. it was a very Welsh mm-hmm. thing to do. Right, right. It's kind of like that strawberries and cream type feel to okay. it. I don't know that I'd recommend it. I don't think you're missing anything American people out there, uh, but that's something that we would try to do. By the way, uh, Curious won the first set nice. against Djokovic 6-4, mm-hmm. but Joker right now it looks like uh, order is being restored. He's up a break and he's riding that out 4-1 right now in the second.
2: As a former tennis player, mm-hmm. or retired tennis player, yeah, just get older. Um, <laughs> he just got older, right? <laughs> um, can you see this? I mean, it's going to go five, right? I mean... It's got these, that feel to it's it. It's got that five. Okay, so if you're betting this, I mean, uh, in-game, right, right now, yes. do you kind of approach it that way?
1: Well, you can. Uh, Djokovic, by the way, and it's, it's something that's pretty amazing. When the, when Nadal retired mm-hmm. and so we knew he couldn't go in the semifinals, we were trying to get that price on the show on Friday's show. Okay. And the first price I believe we got, Stephen Bond, was Curios was plus 550. Okay, plus 550. Mm-hmm. You know what the number closed at? Mm-hmm. I believe it closed around Plus 280, 285 for Curious. It came down almost $3. Wow. The betting public was on Curious a little bit. Right now, as Djokovic has this, this break, it's back up to almost there. Uh, Nick Curious now is plus 240. Okay. Novak's minus 350. How about that? So it, it's it's going back to, it feels like it's going to be level sets here uh, at 1 1. The only thing, and I heard a comedian say this once, and I don't know if it makes any sense to you, in tennis and the scoring, you have. It's not one zero for the first point, right. two zero, three zero. You first one to four. Mm-hmm. When they go fifteen, love, right. love. 30-love, 30-15, then 40. What happens to the extra five? I don't know. Why not 45? I don't Why do they go 40? That's a good question. It, it just seems like it's arbitrary. It's a we great 15,
2: question. 15-30-40. And then the tiebreaker just throws you completely off. I
1: we go ads. We don't even <laughs> right. go plus one. We just go add your name, add my name. Sure. Like some of the scoring in Tennessee was a little bit off. But right now, uh, Kyrgios is looking like this thing might be level sets uh, if he can't figure out a way to break back. But 4-1 Djokovic right there uh, in the first, in the second set. We'll keep you updated. There also the Scottish Open's going on, uh, and before we get into our football today, we're going to have Will Hill join us later on. We'll talk some more golf with Will. Thomas Gable is going to join us in our number two, and Wes Reynolds, rather. We're going to talk a lot of golf with Wes yes. with Will. We'll get some baseball and football as well. Um, but we were talking a little bit before the show, like you know, we're getting up for the for the uh, the British Open. They call it the Open mm-hmm. over there. They don't put the British in, in front of it. We do as Americans. And Rory McIlroy said a lot of interesting comments leading up to this week. And he said he feels like he's defending a crown. He didn't want a major in eight years. Right. But somehow he feels like as the kind of the torchbearer now for the PGA Tour against the Live Tour guys, he feels like, I don't know if it's an added responsibility. I don't know if it's good or bad thing if you want to bet Rory next week. Right. But he also said there's no place for Live Golf in golf. Mm-hmm. And then he said, we need to sit down at the table and come to a resolution.
2: What is that? He has a collection of statements going on right now. And I think that's what happens, Dave, when you take a week off uh, prior to. And everybody uh, asks you questions. Everybody's other... asking you because they have access to you. I yep. mean, you think about all the other top players right now. They're playing the Scottish Open. I mean, outside of everybody knows where Tiger's at. Right. But, but Tiger is not the mantle carrier right now. You know, Tiger...
1: He's not the torchbearer for the tour anymore. Right,
2: right, right. I mean, he's still the most popular golfer out there, but yet he's not involved.
1: He's like Jack. Right, exactly. He's like a figurehead, a legend of the sport, but he's not like an active week-in, week-out
2: PGA Tour member. You're just not going to see him at the events like you're going to see Rory. Whereas Rory is that guy, though. He is... I mean, would you say he's the most popular guy in golf right now? I mean, from a name recognition, worldwide name recognition. Yes. I mean, uh, he, the way that he came out with comments so strongly about Liv uh, and certainly supporting the, uh, the PGA. Uh, and then he goes out there and wins the Canadian Open, all that stuff. And so, I mean, it, it's, it's, like, it's like Rory is the most popular golfer to have access to right now, and therefore we're hearing from him, which I, I don't know how you navigate this situation, though. I, I, I know that it's more popular for you to support the tour, mm. right, if you are a tour member. But then you see live, and you see the impact of it a little bit. I mean, it's not felt throughout. But you can tell it's getting under the skin of some people, though.
1: There's no doubt about it. And, and again, even in football, and I'm sure for the USFL people in the 80s that are old enough to remember it like I am, the money they threw at college kids mm-hmm. coming out, Right, it's almost like how do you say no? I you have to know that these players are looking at those players at the live tour, and while they might say one thing, they're going, they're getting what (laughs) exactly, and they have to play less, right? And the fans are loving the experience so far, like the Portland event. I just wonder at some point, and then Roy said, ultimately, it could be good for golf. Mm-hmm. Well, how is that? If it can't, doesn't have a place in golf, how could it be good for golf? There's a lot of conflicting messages, and the point really is, after we get through the Open next week, right. this thing isn't going away people. No, it's not. We're hearing rumors of Hideki Matsuyama, mm-hmm. Ricky Fowler's of the world. So we'll find out if those rumors are true, but it, to, to think that this is just going to be an aberration and that you and I aren't having the same conversation in three months right. is naive. This well, thing is not going
2: away. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, so we're going to have the Open, uh, the fourth major, the fifth major of the year, and this is the final major, right? Yeah, that's it. So, okay, think about it this way. There's not going to be another jack or tiger. Nobody's going to approach that many wager, major wins, right? Right. I mean, we we all marveled at what Tiger was doing and, and certainly trying to chase Jack and uh, supportive of that, too, because I mean, he could do it. Right. But there's not another golfer out there, including Rory. I don't care. You name a golfer that's going to impact golf the way that those two gentlemen did, right? And so, I mean, I can see... These younger golfers or these popular golfers saying, you know, what I can get some cash. I can get a bag of money right now from Live, but still go back to the PGA for for some prestige if I need it. But I'm never gonna catch those two.
1: That's why I think the the, the PGA tour players are most upset about with the with the Live players. That the mm-hmm. Live players took the money grab right. and now they still want the prestige of trying to play in the PGA tour with the lawsuits and all those things. It almost feels like the PGA tour players are saying, Go. You want to go? Go. But don't come back to our tour. Hmm. If you were playing today and the USFL is going on, which it is, but it's not the same USFL that was really trying no. to poach the top players of the NFL, right. would you get tired of me as a media member saying, Mike Pritchard, would you take the extra money and go play in the USFL?
2: You know what is fascinating because uh, the USFL was interesting when you did have the money grab. Herschel and uh, Flutie oh, and, and Jim uh, Kelly, Jim Kelly right up, right? Uh, Steve Young. I mean, all these guys, right? And um, but then when I got drafted, I remember the rocket going to Canada that's right. for the money. That's right. Uh, and so it wasn't a disrespect thing. It was his choice, you know, and I'm trying to put myself back into my shoes at the time when, when I'm like, you know, that's good to I mean, He's going to go get some great money up there in Canada. That's what he wants to do. But I want to go to the national football league. You know, if Canada came knocking on my door with a, with a bag, um, it would have been interesting. But yeah, the NFL well, came knocking <laughs> on my door with a bag. So it wasn't even. That's the uh, a thing, because the
1: NFL is the top dog. Right. They are giving the right. top salaries. And so we, it's really, it's almost unfair to compare the two mm-hmm. as I try to do there, because Live Golf is, is paying these guys exorbitantly more right. than what yeah, the PGA told now. It's crazy mm-hmm. money that they're throwing at these guys. So it's not going away. By the way, Stephen Bond just told me. The Tiger Woods, who, by the way, we saw a lot of bets out there. A big bet came in, I believe, uh, 40-1 to for Tiger at BetMGM. I've seen some shops as high as 90-1 to on Tiger next week. Apparently, this is how rumors get started. uh, Tiger playing a little bit over there in Edinburgh. He just drove the green on a par four. Mm -hmm. Does that change your your opinion of Tiger?
2: Well, so I was thinking about this. (laughs) I cannot wait to talk to Wes Reynolds a little bit later on in the program because – this course isn't tough to walk, no, is it? no, no, it's a length course. It's, it's a length course, baby. <laughs> exactly. It's flat. We so wait a minute now, and he can get some rollout on yeah. some of these drives, and he's going to use the irons, and we know how efficient he is with irons. Can he putt? I mean, because I don't think fatigue's going to be a factor. He doesn't have to climb hills and all this stuff. So if he can avoid some bunkers out there, um, yeah, I mean, we'll have to get some more intel from West though.
1: I saw one thing once that, uh, excuse me, one 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 prop. That Tiger, I believe, is minus 120 to make the cut. Okay. Even money to miss it. Okay. That's dangerous because that I was getting dangerous. plus money at the at the uh, Masters, mm-hmm. which he cashed for me. I got plus money for him. I don't know how he made the cut at the PGA. I really don't because he could barely walk. Yeah, That's the one he had to withdraw from uh, before Sunday. But it, in hindsight, it's actually more incredible to me that he made those cuts. So now that he's almost expected 40 to 1 at MGM, mm-hmm. is what you're seeing. Okay. Is that – I'd love the plus money, but you're not gonna get it. And then when Stephen Bond puts out this breaking news of driving the green, people like me are gonna get really excited about
2: it. Yeah, what's the weather like though when he drove the green? Yeah, I mean boy, apparently over there, and I don't know how it works over there in Scotland,
1: yeah. that weather changes like in an instant. Yeah. I like mean one second it's beautiful and the next perfect, second... Perfect no
2: win and all of a sudden Gale Force winds and hurricanes, something like that. The sea was angry yeah. that day, mm-hmm. my friend. So we'll
1: find we'll keep you updated on what's going on across the pond in Wimbledon and uh, the Scottish Open as well. But when we come back, let's talk all things NFL gonna break down the AFC West. Next on the one party one of Eastern, in the sports betting now.
3: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip.
1: is here. For only $19, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today. You're going to get VEASAN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets, NFL preseason coverage. Pritchett's coming right around the corner. Premium articles on golf, UFC, and NASCAR, so if you want that full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st, so sign up now at VEASAN.com slash summer. Back alongside the aforementioned Mike Pritchard, I am Dave Ross, and right now there is drama going on. I believe we've got uh, a race going on. Stephen, where is this race going on right now? In Austria, and there was a car on fire. Mm-hmm. Now, look, as long as the driver's okay, then I want to see it. It appears that the driver's okay. But you literally had a car on
2: fire. Oh, yeah.
1: I'm not in that car. Thank no. Goodness.
2: I mean, those things are stripped oh. down, too. They're pretty much uh, gas tank and driver, right? That's it. That's it. So, so Very yeah.
1: fortunate there. By the way, Nick Kyrgios with a great opportunity here. He's down 5-3. He Give me some emotion. That's what I love of players with emotion. I okay. uh, love 40. So he's got triple break point here to get back on serve right. in this second set against up And he's Joker. already up a set. Right, so up a set.
2: So there goes that five-set. Uh, potentially. <laughs> okay, potentially five-set match here.
1: K- uh, Kyrgios down a plus $1.55 right now in a live betting market. You mentioned that uh, young Mike Pritchard right now would be locked in getting ready for camp. hmm Okay, here, here we are in almost mid-July at this point. The Chiefs have been the team in the AFC West that you look at and you go, well, just pencil them in. Pat Mahomes, and even before that, Alex Smith, they are pretty darn good as well. So now they are still the favorites, but a much shorter favorite this year at plus money, plus a dollar fifty. So when you look at the Chiefs now, we know they don't have Tyreek Hill. Right. Uh, defensively, they feel like they're getting better on paper. You draft Edge here in the first round. Just a a simple question. I don't know if it's a simple answer. Should they still be the favorite in this division?
2: I mean, until you knock them off, they should be, right? Uh, Even from a betting standpoint, we can all look uh, at the Chargers, look at the Broncos, look at the Raiders even. Everybody's going to improve, and that's what happens each and every year. Everybody improves. But until you knock them off uh, within a division, absolutely, I think you got to look at the Chiefs as a favorite. Uh, For me, though, in understanding windows and time, turnover – and how much time you truly have with a particular roster, uh, they're at the threshold of that. Oh, boy. They're, they're at the four-year mark, right?
1: So that window still is open. Um, It's cracked. But it's cracked.
2: Yeah, and it's closing. It's not opening. I mean, it was mm. wide open for four years, right, yep. if you think about it. And uh, you're familiar with this with the Cowboys, their run. Uh, what's unprecedented certainly was with the uh, Patriots and Bill Belichick and right. Tom Brady. That's unprecedented. But I, I don't know if Andy Reid and – and um patrick mahomes understand the turnover aspect of it as much as belichick and brady did i mean belichick openly said okay one year too soon or certainly the philosophy is okay one year too soon is always better than one year too late Uh, so they're always looking to upgrade the roster improve the roster change the roster as now the chiefs i think unexpectedly uh have to deal with roster changes wow one tyreek hill Right, I mean, one superstar like that. So, we'll see how they handle it. I I think uh, it's the name of the game in the National Football League. You're at at that four-year mark with a run as a dynasty. Uh, To me, they are going to come back to the pack here. It feels like it.
1: And, again, normally I go quarterback, coach, I trust. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you're going to trust that. But I think it's a great point that the window, just because you have quarterback, coach, doesn't always stay open forever. It's not in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. So, you got to get better in the roster. I think they did. Do you think the Tyreek Hill trade – In hindsight, now, because I know it was a shock to the system when it happened. What they're trading Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Do you think, in essence, that was the wise move by the organization to say, "All right, we're not going to pay him the money he wants." Miami, go ahead and do that, and we'll get the rest of the roster a little bit
2: better. Well, I think it's an indicator because, in actuality, they could pay Tyreek Hill if they Mm. wanted to. They didn't want to. Wow. See, that's the the secret about uh, it's not really a secret, but I mean, if if a team wants to pay you, they'll pay you. They'll they'll jump through hoops and uh, jump over hurdles to get something done if they really want you. But if they feel like, okay, we can move on and we want to do something different, then we're not going to pay that guy a particular amount of money. Uh, And I think when I look at the roster, that's what the Chiefs want to do. They want to reinvent themselves. right? Uh, If people are going to drop eight guys in coverage Mm. and Patrick Mahomes has a tendency uh, to not be patient with that, we're going to force him to be patient. We're going to get him more into controlled situations at the line of scrimmage with the true essence of the West Coast offense. And I think that's what the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid, Eric Binnemi wants to move towards uh, with the passing game. Uh, But Patrick Mahomes, he's going to have to emerge that way with that patience, that pure pocket patience and get away from the air raid element that made him spectacular. That also helped Tyreek Hill become a spectacular player as well.
1: Yeah, and that is interesting that The game plan is actually to make Patrick Mahomes mortal, right? So we'll give up the stuff in between. But what we're not going to give you is we're going to really switch the looks once you get down in the red zone. Right. And it felt like he was superhuman and could do anything for the longest time. He's still Patrick Mahomes. We get that. But is that the right strategy is to say, you know what? We're going, to, we're going to test your patience and see if you can be patient when you have to be patient inside the red zone. Yeah, I mean,
2: Hank Stram. I mean, just go back to, to those days when you're talking about matriculating the ball down the field, right? Keep and, matriculating uh, the ball down the field, <laughs> boys. Keep, keep doing it, guys. But, you know, it's one thing to be able to make big plays, which we see Patrick Mahomes from college. That's what he's about escaping a pocket and throwing the ball vertically down the field. He's trying to throw the ball out the stadium. Remember those days? Yeah, I do. But as you get older and teams adjust to you, you have to control the game offensively, which will help your defense as well. Uh, so I, I think what the chiefs want to do is you're going to have to tinker with it, but uh, at, at the same time, but no Tyreek Hill on the field, you are going to be different. That, that is the speed demon. and That's an element that helped you mightily through your dynasty days. Now, I dug this up, Dave. You'll appreciate this. Yards after the catch for receivers, you got Cooper Cup number one last year, Debo Samuel, uh, Jamar Chase, incredible. Devontae Adams, by the way. We just talked about those Mm -hmm. guys yesterday. Austin Eckler, Godwin, and guess who was number seven? And it's with the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey. It's Kelsey. So think about that for a minute. Tariq Hill, yards after the catch, wasn't the leading a weapon on the team. No, it's the bowling ball, ball, right? It's, it's, it's Kelsey's bouncing Kelsey, people off. It's the matchups you can create with Kelsey too, mm. and how you use Kelsey. So, uh, I, I think he's the ultimate weapon within the offense. But if this is a more controlled offense, you still have the yards after the catch element with uh, Travis Kelsey, which will still help your offense. Mahomes right now about nine to one to win the MVP.
1: The, the win total for this team is ten and a half, and mm-hmm. the half. Cor- and there is a correlation that if they can win the division again, right? And again, it's still plus money right now to win right. the division. And remember, regular season award people. So forget about what might happen in the postseason, right? When we saw that last year with Aaron Rodgers, who won back-to-back MVPs and they lose in, the first, in their first game against San Francisco. So that doesn't matter. Do you think if they win what is regarded as on paper to be arguably the toughest division in the history of regular season pro football that at nine to one, there could be value there for, for Mahomes at MVP. Because I don't see another scenario where if they win the division, they cash the win total over minus the dollar 15 to get to at least 11 wins. And then win this just knockdown down, drag out division, mm-hmm. I think he'd be like Allen's a favorite at seven to one. Everybody's expecting them to win the East for the first time. You and I are having a conversation that we go, no, the Chiefs might not be the betting favorite or, or in our eyes, the betting favorite in that division.
2: Sure, absolutely. I, you know what? I I guess you could look at that. There's some value right there. I mean, the narrative could still favor Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did not lead the National Football League in passing yards nope. last year, but yet he won back-to-back MVPs. I, you know, it's it's going to be about the moments. Kansas City's going to have the moments, the, the matchups too, the, the, the fact that we can watch Patrick Mahomes do great things. He's got a limit interceptions. He made a lot of mistakes last year. Uh, If he's a highly efficient quarterback, if he truly is that pocket passer, like an Aaron Rodgers is, escapes the pocket to make a big player to make something happen, and when he has to, yeah, I can see the narrative shifting towards his direction and, and, and also support coming that way for Patrick Mahomes to be MVP this year.
1: Yeah, because, again, narrative-driven awards. Mm-hmm. I think that is the key. So I think what people did is they looked at what happened with Green Bay. They saw the Jordan Love game when Rodgers couldn't go with the COVID or whatever the reasons were back then. And then they go, boy, like, Jared, Jordan Love can play. Like, right. like the Chiefs, if they can win this division, they're going to go, well, they don't even have Ty- Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. So Pat Mahomes did all that, Patrick. So, like, I don't want his mom getting married. That's right. So, like, all of a sudden, that that's how that narrative gets driven, where people are like, Patrick Mahomes is mm-hmm. the reason why. The, Aaron Rodgers is the reason why the Packers uh, were the number one seed in the NFC last year. So, I think that those things do – you have to take those things into account. And we're going to get deeper into this division uh, throughout the show.
2: One more thing I need to throw in there. Bring it. So, they had two guys in the top ten yards after the catch, oh. receiving yards after the catch. Mikko Hardman? Yes. Think about that. Uh, Tariq Hill. Yeah, Kelsey and Hardman uh, in the top 10, right? So my point is you're going to add Juju. You're going to add some other players, uh, Valdez, Gentling Jr. and all this. I mean, you're going to add, but you're also going to be more efficient, which I think if you're Kansas City at this point, reinventing yourself as everybody's caught up to you in the league.
1: Uh, very quickly before we go to break, I mentioned that Nick Kyrgios had three break points to get it back even. He didn't get any of them. <laughs> okay. So you know that Djokovic has even up this match at one game a piece, uh, one set a piece, and right now they're playing the first game of the third set, Kyrgios in the changeover. This is where I get worried as a Kyrgios backer. He went a little Mack and roll on me. Mm. He's he's just getting he gets so fired up, mm-hmm. and now Djokovic has a break point to start the third set. Uh-oh. <laughs> my, uh oh, my. My Curios play is starting to get in jeopardy. We'll discuss more and come back and talk about what the Broncos and Chargers are going to look like in this division as well. Come on back. It is the Lombardi Line on Visa, the sports betting network. you to get in on, on all the horse racing action. Sign up today with the promo code Vegas1000. Receive $10 instantly and up to a $1,000 bonus. So visit VEASAN.com slash horses for all the details. Use the bonus code Vegas1000. Back here alongside Mike Pritchard, I'm Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi line. Keeping a watchful eye. We mentioned we got a good one going on at Wimbledon in the final there. Uh, right now, one love in the third set mm-hmm. for Nick Kyrgios. He does hold serve, but it's getting intense. These guys are going at a lot of emotion going on here. Feels like Yvonne Lendl back in the days for you old people like me in the '80s. <sighs> Love that stuff. Uh, there's going to be a lot of emotion in the NFC and the uh, AFC West this year. It, it does feel like I don't know if it's a mythical title that you can win as the the hardest division to win in the history of pro football, but I'm sure these guys are looking at it like we're up for the challenge. And what I did like in the offseason, there wasn't one team in this division that backed down. They it was like an arms race, mm-hmm. and they said, okay. Chiefs, you're doing this? Fine. You know what San Diego's going to do? Excuse me. LA is going to do? They're going to go out and get some defense. Right, We're going to get some help for our stud quarterback there in Justin Herbert. And now you look at the superchargers, and if you think they're going to make the playoffs, you got to lay a little bit, minus $1.50. Win total, same as the Chiefs, 10.5. Hmm. But it is juiced. You get a little plus money if you want to bet that over to get to 11. Win the division, plus 250 Juicy number there. But I guess the question is, do you trust the head coach, boy genius 2.0? Because Brandon Staley, you know, he comes from the Sean McVay tree. And right. He's the original boy genius in sure, my eyes. Sure. Right? Until he got slapped around by Bill Belichick in that Super Bowl. But Staley feels like he's got a ready made team. I mean, the cover wasn't bare when he took it over for Anthony Lynn. So I know this is not an analytics conversation. I'm not trying to get it on the analytics community because you need to blend those two things in. But he also has to realize, how do I win a football game? That's your job number one as head coach. It's not to win the analytics war, it's to win the game for Edwards. Mm-hmm. Do you trust Brandon Staley in this unit either to A, make the playoffs and, and lay that number, B, get over 10 and a half wins, or C, win the division at plus 250?
2: So Staley goes 9 and 8 in his first year as head coach for the Chargers. Uh, Anthony Lynn's first year as head coach with the Chargers was 9 and 7. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Um and then it did turn into twelve and four, and then obviously five and eleven, then seven and nine. Okay, gonna make a t- coaching change. Sure. Um you always gotta start at the top. I, I think the Spanos family is going through the Game of Thrones situation like the Broncos did. So you start there uh and work your work your way down as a better um can they be stable within the organization? Can they, you know, allow those dynamics in the front office to separate themselves from what's going to happen on the field. Because on the field, this roster is spectacular. It really looks I good. I mean, it is off the charts. But we have to focus on Staley. We have to. Because it's like Raheem Morris last year with the Rams. When he was a D coordinator in Atlanta, he was garbage. <laughs> now with the Rams, he's a head coaching candidate again, right? How about, that? <laughs> How about that? So you look at Staley, he's a head coaching candidate with that Rams defense. Um, and now as a head coach with, with the Chargers, boy, Genius, uh, he got in the way last year. He's got to get out the way and stay out the way, Dave. Mm-hmm. The I, roster is way too good and and too uh, is loaded to where the head coach inserts himself and and becomes the problem. He's got to let these players figure it out on the field. He's too good. Uh, he should recognize that as head coach coaches here.
1: I think it's a great point, and I think it's well said. And again, I I, I believe that Brandon Staley can be that guy. Mm-hmm. I do. And, and the roster's been upgraded from last year for a team that somehow missed the playoffs. I, I still can't believe they were winning the division late in the year. And right. some that, they go from uh, the penthouse to the outhouse all the way out. So I, I hope that he's learned from those. Uh, some people don't call them mistakes. I do. Because, <laughs> again, I'm a bottom-line guy. And I know if you're holding the ticket on the Chargers last year to make the playoffs, you think... He did not do his job as a head coach as well. So when you look at the changes that they've made, I mean, especially defensively. Right. When you get a J.C. Jackson and a Cleo Mack to go opposite Nick Bosa, I mean, I love what they've done in the offseason. I don't want to say it's too good to fail because we've seen great teams on paper that do fail. But they feel like they're loaded for bear.
2: Well, they drafted well, too. I mean, just think about uh, Kenneth Murray, uh, the linebacker from OU. You know, you still got Derwin James being healthy. Yeah, I mean... They are loaded. Sante Samuel Jr. is on this roster. Uh, you know Callahan's one of those better corner, nickel cornerbacks out there too. So uh, this is a roster even with injury. I mean, you can go into the forties uh, with this roster. Uh, so that carries over to special teams too. That's something I look at. How deep are? How deep is the roster? Are you are you twenty five deep? Okay, now you're starting. And if you start getting hurt. Uh, you're going to fall off. You're going to fall off like Thelma and Louise with the cliff, right? (laughs) Uh, But if you have a roster deep into the 40s, that's going to bolster your special teams units too. So um, I I look at the Chargers that way. They are well into the 40s with a a really good roster. It's just a coach. I, I hope this guy is not arrogant enough to not have learned from his mistakes last year.
1: Amen. I mean, again, that's exactly where I am too with this football team. I did play them when the number was better before all the moves in the offseason mm-hmm. to win the AFC. So I feel like I got a good number. I feel like you got a good roster. Now it's incumbent. The head coach has got to be better. And right. if he is, which he can be, this is not a, a knock saying he can't do it. It's just a, a reality of the NFL. The coach can't be the reason why you lose games. No, not in this league. I mean, players are going to go in that locker room and go, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Like, we're, like we got to make decisions here. Sound decisions to win the
2: game. Right. We get what you're trying to do. You got to do it. That's the fast track of losing a locker room. And you think about the dynamic of this, this team too. that locker room, Justin Herbert, he's the young one. He's a leader, but yet look at all the veterans around him though. I'm talking about all pros too, yeah. uh, and people that established themselves in this league. And then you have a quarterback that oh. threw for over 5,000 yards last year, went head to head with Patrick Mahomes could have swept the chiefs, could have came close. Uh, but this quarterback is off the charts. Good. Uh, when it comes to his ability, uh, throwing the football, how he can get the ball down the field, uh, his courage in the pocket, his presence on the field too. He's a natural leader out there as well as his, the talent, the skill set uh, to lead a team to a Super Bowl. So you have to recognize that as an organization. You know, like I said, the dynamic with the front office is different. Uh, but if Staley can keep that locker room together and certainly be better as head coach, uh, big things are in store for the Chargers, I believe this year,
1: 10 to one for Herbert to win the MVP. We mentioned Mahomes nine to one mm-hmm. Rogers is the two time rating defending also 10 to one Brady eight to one Allen seven to one. So he's on that short list. Um, I, I still worry. It's amazing because maybe it's because when he came out of Oregon and yeah, he's a top 10 pick, right? I don't think people saw this coming from what they saw with the quack attack. And then all of a sudden, you get here and you go, wow, this kid's special, right? What is it? Is it it's not just the height in the arm. Yeah. He's got the measurables. But what have you seen so far from him as he goes into year number three that you go, yeah, he's kind of a guy in that short list for MVP candidates.
2: Oh, I'll take you back. I talked to uh, a former GM uh, about Justin Herbert, a uh, longtime GM in the league too, uh, at the time when he was contemplating coming out his junior year, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, Elway and the Broncos had five uh, at that point, and they went up there. They went up there to look at Herbert. Um, it was advised to Herbert that he should stay in for another year. Wow. And it wasn't because of his skill set, though. What this GM told me, former GM told me, was that his maturity level. He needed to handle the media. He needed to handle – he needed to become a franchise quarterback. Wow. He wasn't ready to do that after his junior year. But after his senior year, wasn't about his skill set, Dave. It was more about handling himself – as a franchise quarterback, and so far he's done that. So the maturity level is there. The skill set, everybody knew about that, Hmm. right? And so uh, it's just, did he land in the right place, though, with the Chargers? Uh, Because you think about Eli Manning not wanting to go to the Chargers for a lot of reasons. This organization, give credit to Phillip Rivers for going through it uh, and playing at a high level, but uh, historically this organization has just not supported they're key players like a franchise quarterback, though.
1: That's so intriguing to me because what it sounds like is he became the anti-Ryan Leaf when Leaf came in. Yep. Came in, he wasn't ready. Right. Whether the physical dimension—remember, Leaf, big, strong kid, right there with Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Who's going to go one? Manning went one. Leaf went two. The rest, as a kids day, is history. But that maturity level is so important. We've seen it. You, you can look every year. Right. You can look every year and look. Baker Mayfield again when Cleveland went and got Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Their take on it was, now we have an adult in the room. That was after four years of being a quarterback in Cleveland. Right. So some guys, and execs know it, and players know it, if they're ready. And Herbert, I don't know anything about
2: the kid, but it feels like he... Talks softly, but carries a big stick. No, he's ready. He's well-respected, too. It's just, okay, where are you going to land? Like, if Herbert would have landed with a stable franchise, then uh, could he have a career start like Patrick Mahomes, going to playoffs and going to Super Bowls? Who knows? But, you know, Patrick Mahomes, if he goes to the Chargers, is he still doing the same thing? I mean, Mm. a lot of it is landing spot or stabilization of an organization. Uh, But if Herbert can fight through what he's fighting through, certainly he has, played at a high level as a player, but the team now needs to – Turn the corner and get to the playoffs and go through the playoffs as well.
1: Uh, very quickly, too, when I look at uh, just some of these other prop scenarios that are out there, when you look at how they're going to score, because we talked a little bit about this yesterday, we're mm-hmm. trying to gauge some of those prop players out there of, of receiving touchdowns, right. passing touchdowns. Are they going to vulture this with Austin Eckler when you get inside the red zone? Because it does feel like a balanced offense when they get down there. It just doesn't have to be Justin Herbert trying to, you know, fit a square peg into a round right, hole. Right,
2: right. No, I think they can be efficient. Uh, Austin Eckler within the top 10 in terms of yards they have to catch as a receiver too. So, And that's a running back. Um, I think the offensive line is going to be improved this year, too. Mike Williams has his money. Um, you know, you, you have some key players out there uh, to be explosive. Keenan Allen, I mean, uh, all these guys can do it. They can get it done. It's just a quarterback and how how great he is so far in his career uh, to carry him through, carry him over that hurdle, though.
1: 36.5 is the over-under for p- passing yeah. touchdowns for Justin Herbert this year. He even money juiced evenly at minus $1. ten. Okay, when we come back, Will Hill is going to join us here. We'll also ask Will about the AFC which way he make that handicap, at which number. Uh, keep it locked right here. It's the Lombardi on in the Sports Betting Network.
3: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events.
0: if you dare.
1: baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences on Sunday. You can place a $25 one-game parlay on any MLB game. You're going to receive a $10 free bet that you can use on any sport regardless of your bet's outcome. Just log into your account, download the app, or sign up with BetMGM to get a $10 free bet to use on any sport when you place a $25 one-game parlay on any MLB Game. Turn game time into showtime with the king of sportsbooks. MLB trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, New York, or Washington, DC back alongside Mike Pritchard. I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi Line. We keep looking up at Kyrgios and Djokovic right now Two all in the third set. Mm -hmm. It feels like a football game. It kind of does. We're hitting shots (laughs) between the legs. A lot of emotion. These guys going back and forth. So uh, right now in the betting market, it looks like Djokovic still about a $3 betting favorite. But uh, right now this third set could be very pivotal going forward. We'll keep you posted on the live betting market there. We bring in. Not the Will Hill. That's what he is on Twitter. But he is the real Will Hill when he joins us here each and every week on and, Uh Will, we've been having a conversation about the AFC West. I'm giving it a mythical title of the toughest division in the history of pro football to win. It feels like every team except for the Raiders win total is about 10 and a half. And the Chiefs are still the betting favorite. But you're getting plus money with the Chiefs. Do you roll with the old guard, which is now Kansas City? Or do you think new blood is going to win this division this year?
4: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Pritch. What's up, man? Yeah, I'm watching the Wimbledon too, by the way. <laughs> there's a lot of pressure on this chair umpire. Anytime Curios is playing, there's, you just feel stressed out for the the chair umpire because he is an adventure. Uh, <laughs> I think you put it well here. I think it's the Chiefs. I think if you can get plus money on them, look, uh, we were watching that game on the Green Zone last year where they just completely folded against NC. They're up 21 to three. All right, they give him a screen touchdown to P Ryan to make it 21-10. Didn't seem like a big deal. They come down the field. They have it first and goal with the one about to go up 28-10. to 10. The next thing you know, I don't know if Mahomes was concussed. They could not get a first down in the second half, mm. and that game got away from them. It was just amazing. Then you go back 2018, D4 lines up off sides. Brady throws an interception, which is negated. Patriots winning overtime. Uh, my point here is they're a couple plays away here from going from their fifth straight Super Bowl this year. I mean, they're really close here to going the last four Super Bowls. Uh, to me, you know, I know they lost Tyreek Hill. But you guys mentioned it's just part of the league. You gotta get cheaper, you gotta get younger. I thought they did a nice job of retooling, adding, you know, Sky Moore, who I think is gonna be a big time player, the wide receiver from Western Michigan. They got Purdue's uh pass rusher Carlafis late in the draft, even McDuffie from Washington. So uh, I thought they got a little younger. Uh, I still opt with Mahomes, who I think is the best quarterback, Reed who knows how to, you know, call plays, design an offense. Uh if you're looking for a sleeper, Juju Smith Schuster, to hmm. me, all these years with Pittsburgh, I mean, ba- Roethlisberger, I mean, we watched it. He couldn't throw the ball more than 10 or 12 yards. He's <laughs> going to be, I think, revitalized here with Mahomes, uh, a creative offense. To me, it's still the Chiefs. You can get them at plus money. I know it's it's nothing sexy here in terms of the price, but getting the Chiefs at plus money, I have a hard time looking past them. I know the Chargers are good. My issue with the Chargers, you guys mentioned the coach, all the fourth down stuff, which looks, some of it I like, some of it I don't. I think he got a little out of control. Um 17 road games they don't play. they have no home field advantage right, every, every home game is a road game every road is a road game not just the fact that you don't get home games which is so big in the nfl but the psychological effect of every week you're on the road and it's just like you're on you're in your own building and, and all the fans are rooting for the other team it's just i think that wears on you a little bit uh to me the biggest question in this division is wilson because 2020 not that long ago a year and a half ago first half of the season he was the runaway favorite for mvp Second half of the year, he played poorly. Last year, he played poorly and got hurt. Uh, what Wilson are we seeing? Because if we see peak Wilson, Denver is certainly in this mix and could win this division and as good as any of these teams. Uh, if he's not, then they're not going to be a factor. So To me, Wilson's the biggest you know question mark X factor in this division.
2: Yeah, you know, Will, one uh, uh, X factor to me, too, could be coaches. Like, you just talked about Andy Reid, Eric Biennium is in his final year, too, as the offense coordinator there, I believe, with this contract situation. But – it's hard to say these words, but I'm going to say them. Oh. That Andy Reid has underachieved when you think about how many Super Bowl opportunities he's really had, right? Uh, and I think he's won, has he, in his career, he's won one Super Bowl as a head it. coach? Just yeah. one. Just one. So think about this for a minute. And, okay, factor in Staley. You know, okay, he's a new kid. He's kid genius or whatever. Uh, and then think about Hackett as a new guy, but yet the win totals are elevated for both of those franchises. Now factor in Josh McDaniels, as a coordinator has won six Super Bowls, right? Play caller uh, has has to prove himself as a head coach. So to me as a better, I'm looking at coaches that way. Uh, well, are you thinking at, at all about the coaching situations or is this purely uh, a roster situation when it comes to the AFC West for you?
4: It's a little both. And I totally agree with you on Andy Reed. Uh, I do think, you know what? I mean, his, his record after buys has always been famous for being really good. I think he's good at getting his teams prepared. Uh and again, you can go a little deeper here with the discipline of the team. Uh, you know, remember his son was basically drinking on the job driving mm-hmm. a couple years yeah. ago. You wonder if, if you know he gets a little too loose. But I think in terms of designing an offense, preparing a team, he's still really good. You know, you worry about him in big spots in terms of calling the timeouts, game management, that that kind of thing. I think it's a, a good point to bring up. Uh McDaniels, again, I don't know what we get out of McDaniels. I think, like you said, he's won six Super Bowls as a coordinator. Remember, he had that little stint with the Broncos, what, 12, 13 years ago? Went mm. 6-0. and They quickly fired him, and he's bounced around as a coordinator since. So I wonder the second time around he'll be a little bit better as a head coach. I thought he kind of got a raw deal that first time with Denver. So uh, it, it's a great division. Like you guys said, this is the best division I can really remember. I mean, this yeah. is just a loaded division. The Raiders are the fourth-best team, and they made the playoffs last year. So uh, I think they'll all beat each other up. I don't think any of these teams are getting, like, 13, 14 wins with how good this division is. Probably 11, 12 gets it done. So – uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, it's look, we're a month away from the hall of fame game. It'll be here before we know it.
1: Well, the fun thing is the narrative street, right? Mm-hmm. Andy Reid's a made man. Once he won one super bowl with Patrick yeah. Mahomes, right? Mike McCarthy's a bum. And he's won one Super Bowl, too, when he went with there in Rodgers, but he can't coach. So those are the things that we say out there, and people just take them as gospel. So I'm kind of with you guys on Reed in totality here that may be underachieved with the window that's been open as long as it has been with the Chiefs in a spectacular Hall of Fame quarterback to be in Patrick Mahomes. Let's get
4: to Think about the- this, too. They're, they're down 10 on defense. I mean, the 49ers were up 10 with the ball in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's a very hard game to win, and the Chiefs end up not only winning it, but winning it by 10 points. But yeah, it's a good point. A few first downs from the 49ers up 10 with the ball, that game's over and we're looking at Reed completely differently. I, I totally agree. It's a good point.
1: And an overthrow by Jimmy Garoppolo and that's why no. Jimmy Garoppolo can't play right. quarterback because right. of that overthrow. That's the way we, we we make those narrative street comparisons. Uh, Let's get back to baseball a little bit here today. And I want to talk about those Metropolitans. What a win yesterday on Keith Hernandez day for those Mets with uh, the the Marlins is making all kinds of errors uh, all over the yard. One that Keith Hernandez would have scooped up by the way, to save the game for, uh, for Miami. But I look at it here. It's it's Sandy day for the Marlins. and He's going to go up against Taiwan Walker here. And I know you have a play and I think it's going to involve those starting pitchers and maybe uh, a low total here in the first
4: five. Yeah, I went under first five and it's funny watching the Marlins because growing up Mattingly was my favorite player. Uh, and he was so, you know, defensively sound, fundamentally sound. His teams just are horrible in terms of fundamentals. The Mets won that game yesterday. They're down a run, two outs in the ninth, a couple, uh, two outs in the tenth, a couple ground balls, and they win the game. One back to the pitcher, one back to third base. It's just, it's a horribly uh, sort of managed team. They're just, they're a mess in terms of the fundamentals. But uh, like you said, it's Sandy Day for the Marlins. He is the Cy Young favorite uh, in the NL. Alcantara, look, when you throw 100 miles an hour and you have 20 inches of run on your two seamer it's just hard to hit you yeah, I know the Mets have seen him here now this is the third time in the last few weeks but to me uh this is like a 1-1 2-1 game after five walkers pitch really well here for the Mets uh you wonder here if there's a little bit of a look at spot because as you know Dave the Mets get the Braves for three games mm-hmm. starting tomorrow <laughs> but uh I-, I will go the under the first five as the Mets are uh, are saving Scherzer for tomorrow against Atlanta, which I think is a
2: pretty good move. Yeah, how about that? You know, maybe mental fatigue, too, as we approach the All-Star break because we saw the Yankees have a a fielding era as well, and that kind of led them, that did them in against Mm -hmm. Boston. Uh, What about Tampa uh, and Cincinnati? What are you seeing in this matchup, uh, Will, in terms of this game and how you're playing it?
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm boring today. Uh, under first five, uh, I believe it's four. Lodolo going for the Reds and Boz going for Tampa, two of the better pitching prospects in baseball. Boz was the 12th pick overall. Lodolo was the seventh pick overall. Uh, both these guys have had injuries, but Boz had a bad start in June when he came back. Since then, he has not allowed more than one run in any of those starts. Uh, Lodolo the last time out against the Mets, eight strikeouts, three hits, no runs. So should be an under, uh, I think, a, a low-scoring start to this one. Wander Franco's out for the raise, which is a big bat, so I'm going to go under four in the first five of this one.
1: Uh, Braves, uh, the winning machine that they've been in this uh, in June and July here to start off, Ian Anderson on the bump today. Pretty good play at home. You going to back him?
4: Yeah. Under, uh, I'm going to go, uh, first five minus a half a run. I don't really want to lay the minus two ten. Anderson hasn't been great, but if you can lay a half a run in the first five, you basically just have to be winning after five innings. Can somebody check the schedule? It seems like the Braves play the nationals or the pirates (laughs) or the reds every single day. I mean, they, they beat up on these bad teams every single day. Can we, can we, you know, get a look here and make sure this schedule is balanced. It doesn't seem like it is Dave.
1: <laughs> doesn't seem fair as a metropolitan fan. I'll tell you that that's for damn sure. Hey, we'll appreciate it as always on a Sunday, my friend, enjoy the rest. And yet every time I look up at Nick Kyrios, he's yelling at the chair. He's just yelling. He's just going nuts at that chair umpire. So I feel for him today too. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter as I do it. Not the will Hill. When we come back and talk a little bit more of the NFL and also keep updated on what's going on overseas. Come on back. Hour number two of the Lombardi One I'm sports betting now
4: bet MGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences on Sunday you can place a $25 one game parlay on any major league baseball game and you'll receive a $10 free bet that you can use on any sport regardless of your bets out regardless of your bets out regardless of your bets
0: out regardless of your